It's time to go inside the front office of the Athletics with the general manager of the A's, David Forst. Here now is the David Forst Show with Chris Townsend. It's the GM Show with your GM, David Forst. I hope he's excited as we are about some of these young players who have come up. How are you, by the way? I'm well, thank you. You're not going to ask me about the Marlins players. I don't know them very well anyways. No, I was going to ask you about somebody <laughs> who left their team to watch their basketball team play. And I'm oh, I read in- that story. That was interesting. It's, it really is because some people are like, what's the other? What's the problem? And there's other people like me going, what do you mean, what's the problem? You can't do that, but I will not ask you that. Um, I have no opinion. So are you as giddy about uh, Sears and Langoliers? It almost sounds like a company. <laughs> Sears and Langoliers as we are? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's one game for Shea yesterday. It's one, you know, it's a couple starts now for, for JP. But, yeah, I mean, those are the things you have to get excited about because that's what we're doing here. If, if you didn't know, like you just showed up, saw the games in Texas, and showed up here and saw, and, and, and saw Shea play, yeah. you would not say, oh, yeah, that guy's a rookie. No, you definitely would not. But you wouldn't say that if you saw him play in Vegas either. Like the, You wouldn't say, like, this guy is, is young or inexperienced or whatever. Like, I went and saw him play two games in Vegas, and it was obvious – just seeing that. I mean, I, I read the game reports every day. I talk to Fran. Like, I know what, what he's doing every day, but all you have to do is go there and see him play, and you see the way he goes about it. I mean, look, he's young. He's going to have valleys and, and peaks, and he's going to swing and miss and all these things, but he clearly knows what he's doing. I don't think he's going to have valleys. <laughs> I've already, I've he's already, the one. I, I, I've already <laughs> said what's his coat size because we got to get ready for the A's Hall of Fame. Okay. I hope you're right, but <laughs> but <laughs> most of the evidence says young players are going to have valleys, and it, it happens. But uh, but yeah, it's really encouraging. Five of his six first hits are extra bases, and threw out his first runner, made a couple other good throws where he could have had guys. So uh, it's been fun to watch. So when you were doing that trade, and players are being presented to you for Matt Olson, how big a part of the deal was Shea, and did you know he was this good? Ooh, that's a hard one. It's hard to, to say, you know, what percentage or how important. I mean, we, we look, we liked all four of the players we got in that trade. Um, you know, Shea was certainly someone uh, who was in the conversation from the very beginning. I mean, look, you, you look at where he was on the Braves prospect list. You look at our history with him in the draft. And I actually seen him play at Baylor. My one trip ever to Baylor was to see Shea Langler's <laughs> play. Um, so, you know, you put all these things together, and, and he was absolutely an important part of that, of that trade. Um, and he's been everything we've expected. And if you look at him, no disrespect, you're not thinking speed. This guy can run. <laughs> he can run, like legitly run. Yeah, it's not the part of his game we're counting on, but I'll take it. I, it's impressive. So that that's where I get to the two catchers because I grew up in the world of having Benito Santiago and Sandy Alomar Jr. at the same time. Mm-hmm. It was a problem. Now you have a DH, but it, it, if you go in, and I know this is cart before the horse. I get it, but that's talk radio. Uh, if – if you go into spring training and, like, your two best offensive guys are these two guys and they're young, you want them to play defense too, just not DH. How do you start thinking about that? Well, you, I mean, you said it. We have the DH, which is how we, we solve it now, how we get Shea here now. Um, it's We're way out from having that conversation or that question. So, I mean, I, I said – Last week when we called Shea up, I said Sean is a starting catcher, and that you've seen that. That hasn't changed. Shea's caught the two-day two games. He's done a nice job with the pitchers in both starts. 
um, and he's gotten his at-bats on the other days with the DH. So that's that's all we have to think about now. I don't have to worry about spring training right now. We just had J.P. Sears on, and you know, already love him because my whole thing, and I say this all the time in the post-game show, with young pitchers and kind of with all pitchers, you have two ty- two types of guys: guys that go that uh, out there to survive, and guys that go out to win. Mm-hmm. He looks like a guy that goes out there to win. He's pitched on the big stage in New York. He's here. Then I talked to him about going to school at the Citadel, which is a military college. Yeah, you know, it's not like me flip flop San Jose State walking <laughs> in late. This is a military college. I mean, there's something about this kid. I like it. Yeah. I think you're right, and it's you know it's all about first impressions right now, and, and we're just getting to know him. Our staff is, um, and I you know I had that first phone call with him after the trade, and a lot of times you know that call is no big deal. I introduce myself, welcome you to the A's. Here's where you're going, yada yada. Sometimes though, you get interesting things out of that call, uh, and and when I talked to JP. I, I sort of started the conversation saying, hey, I know you've bounced back and forth. I know the Yankees have done this with you, with this with you. I said, we see you as a starting pitcher. And he immediately said, that's how I see myself. I'm a starter. And, and full confidence. He doesn't know me. This is our first conversation. He says, I'm a starting pitcher. I said, hey, we're going to send you to Vegas, get you stretched out, get you on a plan so you can get to Oakland. He's like, great. I'm ready to go. When do I fly? So sometimes in that first conversation, you get a sense for a guy. That was one of those. Yeah, do you get the sense you could see him in the rotation for years? Yeah, I mean, again, peaks and valleys. Yeah, you know, he's got a handful of starts under his belt now, now and he's, you know, he's going to have some rough runs. Everyone does, but what we've seen in terms of executing a game plan, going out and pitching with some presence, he's done that. Yeah, it's tough not to get super excited, but this is kind of like what we've waited for, right? right? And I think, you know, you guys, fans, we've kind of waited to see, you know, something from these trades, and you see it, and you get your, like, you see the future. Yeah, I mean, little glimpses. I mean, we need need a lot more. You know, we need a lot more players. We need a lot more performances, and there are guys who continue, you know, continue to move up. I I think I told you I went and saw Lansing and Midland the last couple weeks, which was fun to go out and see. Um, But, yes, anytime you see it on this field behind us, that's when it's super exciting. Well, the thing that where you guys, there's belief is that we know that whenever you do whatever you call it, reboot (laughs) or whatever you you come back really quick. I mean, we're talking to the voice of the Marlins. I mean, that's not all. It's a long, 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 long reboot year after year after year. So there is that street cred when you say that you guys have that, hey, listen, trust us, we've done this before. I appreciate that. Yeah, and it's nice, you know, hopefully there are people out there who, who believe in what we're doing and our ability to, like you said, kind of turn it around quicker than most. Again, it's not easy. Like, when is that? We'll see. I mean, the players will tell us when it is, when they're ready and when they're ready to perform here. Christian Pache, we haven't talked about him in a lot, and we yep. look at box scores and everything, and it's so trust, to, so tough to trust what's going on in Vegas, right? Yes. Pitching or hitter, right? You can't believe anything. It's true. Uh, how is he doing? What do you think we'll see him back? We talk about him a lot, actually. So, um, you know, I know, you know, we constantly watch the video of his ABs because you can't just trust the box score in Vegas. You know, a, a homer there may just be a fly out here or yeah. any, or frankly anywhere else. So we, we talk about Christian a lot. We watch the videos, we, you know, between whether it's front office or with Mark. You know, Mark is keeping track of a lot of these guys in, in Vegas. He does a really good job. 
looking at the system every day, reading the game reports. So um, I'd like to see him back here at some point. I, I, I don't have an answer as to sort of when that is. Um, he's swinging about well against lefties, which is interesting. Um, and he's obviously playing, you know, the heck out of center field like we know he can do. So we do talk about him, and, and hopefully there's a time to get him back. How important is that conversation with, let's just say, Fran Reardon and the coaching staff down there to say, okay, we're sending this guy back down, or we're sending you like J.P. Sears from the trade, yep. and this is what this is the game plan we want to see. They implement it, the communication, the highs, the lows. Just talk us through that conversation and, and how you want to implement that game plan to get a guy back up here so he can be successful. Yeah, that, that communication is something we've talked about and worked on a lot, I think, the last couple of years, and whether it's from the major league staff to the AAA staff or from the front office. Uh, in the instance, like you said, of the trades, you know, when we trade for a Sears and a Waldachuk and Medina, like we'll write up full reports, you know, the front office, whether, you know, Pike and Ben and Sam, all these people working in the front office, we write them up, send it out. And this is what, this is why we traded for them. This is how we evaluate them. This is what we're hoping you get out of them. So there's, there's those reports. Then when you send a player down, from everyone from the manager and the pitching coach or hitting coach to the trainer to the strength coach. There's always communication back and forth say, hey, here's what this player needs to do or here's what he was doing well or not well here. So that communication is really important. It's really something that we've looked to implement from the top down the last couple of years. And how important is it that the player has the buy-in? I think it's important. Yeah, anytime a player gets sent down, they're looking for answers. They're looking to know why. They're looking to know what they can do. So we really we try and you know we try and communicate here. Though when you send a player out here, a lot of times they don't hear what you're saying, which is totally normal. They're you know they're surprised or upset at that news. They don't always hear what you're saying. So then you have to pass that along and make sure that Fran or Steve Connolly or Brian McCarn, who's ever there in Vegas, is relaying the same message so they hear it again when they get there. It's kind of like when we're in school, right? And someone would say something. I'm not listening to that. <laughs> yeah, except you didn't get sent down a grade every every time you got called into the principal's office. <laughs> it's a little different. And the thing about Pache, why we want him to be so successful, is because he's got gifts. He's got yeah. God-given gifts. He's got athleticism. He's got athleticism you can't teach. Yeah, I mean that one was clear. We knew that just offensively, he was he was really struggling. Really needed a reset. Um, and there are things he has done better down there. But as you said, the, the, the performance in Vegas has to be sort of parsed so that you're not just sort of taking everything down there for, you know, at, at face value because it's a different place. When do you think we'll see Waldachuk? Ooh, uh, I, I hope this year. I hope, I hope we get a chance to see Ken pitch here this year. I know he's got another start coming up in the next few days. Uh, obviously, come September, we, uh, we get to add a pitcher to the staff. We've talked a lot internally uh, between Mark and Emo about how we handle the rotation with an extra pitcher, whether that's, you know, there's, there's six-man rotation, there's tandems. You can do some different things, move some guys into the bullpen for long-man roles. So we're going to figure that out in the next week. Uh, and I'd like to see Ken sometime this year. I, I wish we had rules where you could like, okay, we're going to pitch you for two games. Then we put you on this list where we're not, we know what you can do. We need to see what this guy can do. And, unfortunately, that's not how the game works. No, it's, you know, there's – look, it's only fair to the players. There's a roster for a reason. Yeah. So, uh, we you know, they're not just pawns we move around. These guys are athletes with careers, and, and we have to respect that and, and know what they can do. Look, we're still trying to win games. I, I really enjoyed taking two out of three from the Mariners. I don't know about you. 
It makes post game a lot easier. <laughs> I'll bet. It, it, it makes my post game with the manager a lot easier too. So uh, we'll call it even on that. So, hey, we're still trying to win games and, and see players at the same time. You know, it's interesting that you say that because there, there's this article that came out in Tampa about Joe Madden and, and, and there's something about the A's that I don't think I, I, people should know. Something that may not be going with a lot of front offices and their managers that you guys have had. I mean, you guys have always talked about continuity. You've talked about loyalty. For God's sakes, we just put Keith Lippman into the Ace <laughs> Hall of Fame. He's been here for 52 years. Uh, you're on year what? 23. You think about how long Billy's been here. I mean, Billy O to Kubota, Pam Pitts. Yeah. I mean, your staff. So it kind of doesn't apply to you guys because you guys have had the staff. How long Mark's been in the organization, how long your coaches, how everybody in the minor league system. You guys are so big on that. But if there wasn't that great relationship, just being generic here, between front office, manager, staff, how tough would that be? It's something we had to consider this offseason because we did talk to some people from outside the organization about the manager job and, and really strongly considered it. Obviously, we landed on Mark based on his qualifications and, and partly his history and relationship with us, things we felt like we knew. Um, but it was something we considered and realized you, you got to put a lot of work into those relationships because um, because I'm I'm in that office every day, before the game, after the game. If the team's on the road and I'm not there, I'm, I'm on his phone before the game and after the game. So you can't just have conversations and, and be emotional about stuff without having some sort of relationship built. And I think it's really helped me and Mark and I think a lot of our staff this year get through a season like this is, is having the trust and sort of the prior, uh, the prior engagement or relationship because these are tough tough seasons, tough days to get through. Uh, and we've had some uncomfortable and, and heated conversations, but at the end of it, you come back to the relationship. Yeah, and I think it, I just I should have thrown in Melvin. You just had the longest tenured man, manager, so it's like you have understand you understand the continuity versus bouncing guys around, always yeah. changing coaches, always ch change. Sometimes can be great, but change a lot of times can be really rough. Well, change for the sake of change, I, I've never been a big fan of. Um, but when you have to make a change, then you learn and you grow from it. And look, we brought Bob in here once upon a time without really any prior relationship. I, I had never met Bob the day before he landed in Chicago to be our interim manager that year. So we built that relationship, and it took years and years. And eventually we got to the point where, you know, I had something similar that I have with a lot of people in the organization. But um, but when you do it, you got to put the time in. Now when you start evaluating guys and, you know, whether it's the guys you've drafted, guys you've traded, knowing that these guys truly are the future – how do you, like, I want to promote everybody now and get them up here and let's see. How yeah. do you not be like that? Patience. Yeah, I rely on the player development people to, you know, to tell us what a guy's ready for and what he's not. Because we can, again, we can see the performance. We can see the numbers and feel like a guy is ready. Um, and we did that a little bit with Tyler Soderstrom this, this season. And, you know, he started swinging the bat really well, really well. And I check in with Ed, hey, is, is Tyler ready emotionally, mentally to handle double A? And we waited until everybody agreed that he was. And he's gotten off to a you know, pretty good start there. But he, you know, he was swinging the bat really well in Lansing for a while before we made that promotion. So it, it, it's a matter of checking in with everybody and, and the guys 
guys who really know these players, their managers, the, the roving instructors. You know, Jim Eppert, our hitting coordinators here this week, and you pick his brain, see who he's, he's – he was in Lansing, then he was in the Dominican and Stockton. So he's kind of touched bases with all these players. And while he's here, I need to check in with him and see what he can tell me about the guys. What does a player have to do to get from double-A to the big leagues now? I mean, we – you know, we do say once you're on the radar at AA and performing, it's just a matter of time before you're ready here. That, that said, AAA is a big step. I mean, it is – there's a big – you're facing older guys there and guys who've performed in the big leagues. So there's there's still that, that step there. But if you perform in AA, it's just a matter of consistency in my mind. You've got the talent. It's a matter of can you do it day in, day out, and be consistent. So you got to show us that. And, and you got to be able to deal with failure because – you know, back to the yeah. start of our conversations, those valleys, like you have, you know, you could be you could be an all-star in double-A and you're going to come up here and you may start 0 for 15. And can you handle that? And can you show us enough to get through it for us to keep you here? Is that a really tough one for you to, to promote someone from double-A to tr- ride over triple-A to the big leagues? Yeah, I don't, I can't remember the last time. That's what I was trying to it. think. Danny, Danny Putnam, I, I think, did it. He came straight from Midland to Baltimore. But that was a long time ago. So we don't often do that. In, in fact, almost never. You gotta, you gotta stop in AAA and face some of those veteran guys who, you know, may not be blowing the way you guys in AA are, but they'll carve you up. But probably easier for a pitcher to do it than a hitter. Yeah, I, th- I would say so. Just because this, you know, the stuff will play. Yeah, I, I, I need some help on this, and, and we'll end on this. I need some help. So, like, like I'm gonna give you a couple examples. Yeah. Like in football. When it's third and 10, and the receiver runs like a seven-yard pattern, catches it, tackle it, well, now the punt team comes out. And you go, well, you had to get 10 yards. Why don't you run 10 yards? You love basketball. All right, coming down the court, mm-hmm. three-on-one, you got numbers. Easy dish, dunk, layup, you got two points. It said the guy with the ball pulls up and shoots a three. You go, what are you doing? Right? Okay. I'm, so far, I'm following most so, of what you've laid out. Sometimes <laughs> when a pitcher only goes five innings, I feel that same way. I'm like, why? <laughs> why? I, I, I know I'm old school. I know. Yeah. It's the era I grew in. It. When I started, I had to go more than five. Guys that you played with that started winning more than five. Tell me how to get over it. Tell me how. Uh, the one thing I will tell you is just because someone has performed well up till a certain point doesn't mean he's going to continue performing well. That's not an indicator. Past performance is more of an indicator. So, look, Mark and Emo are making the decisions down there. Obviously, we discuss it with them, but uh, to this point, I think they've done an outstanding job with his staff. I get, so at five, I just I just go, come on, man, one more, <laughs> one more. You're telling the kids to get off your lawn at the same time as your <laughs> – I got my shotgun. I'm like, get up. Do you ever think that, eh, one more? No. No, I know. I, I just have to get over it, huh? Yeah. I mean, that's – But you don't like when that guy pulls up for a three and you got numbers. In today's game, if you're shooting 40% from three, hey, I'll take my chances. Um, they, look – both games have changed. This, these starting pitchers are not doing what we asked guys 20 years ago to, to do. It's a different game. The bullpen's used differently. The nut, we have more relievers. Like, it's a different game. You have, to, you have to accept that and adjust. Guys, you know, 20 years ago weren't shooting threes as much as they are no, now. If that true. guy on the break wants to take a three and makes it four, four out of ten times, keep firing. Oh, you know, one more, and I think this, this, this is good for this conversation. Okay. Are we going to talk soccer? Now, is, is, no. <laughs> nah. Anything we'd be talking football season. Nice to have football season back, huh? I watched Man U Liverpool today. That's football. A different type of football. <laughs> uh, 
AJ Puck for the fourth time went back to back yesterday. Yeah. I noticed that and I no one's talking about it. I was talking about it in the postgame show going, This is big. Cause I don't know if he's ever gonna be a starter. He yeah. may. I mean you guys may still see that. But that's that role that if guys are only gonna go five, a guy that multiple times a week can come in and give you two to three innings. Right is going to become a really valuable guy for a staff if you're still limited to only so many pitchers. How valuable is that guy, and could A.J. Puck really be that guy? Yeah. I mean, we came into this year knowing exactly that role was going to be critical with a, with a young staff or a staff that occasionally, you know, guys were going to get beaten up early. And to be honest, like, our staff has done a great job. We haven't had a lot of second and third inning exits. Guys have really sort of grinded it out. But, um, yeah, in today's game, that role is critical. I would love for to say, like we knew AJ would do that obviously going back-to-back days for a guy who's never had a full season of work was a concern but he has now like you said gone back-to-back I think he's able to get stretched out like is he a starter in the future I think there's still a chance you know he came up he was developed as a starter he did it in college so I think we're holding out hope but if not like he turns into that guy who's incredible like you said incredibly valuable that's a weapon you bring a big lefty out throwing 99 98 yeah any wow. look anytime you got relievers who can consistently go one plus two innings not have to churn through and throw four different guys out there you're at an advantage because you know what you're working with how is manchester united doing because they're the big boys on the block right uh not as much anymore they did get a big win over liverpool today the new manager lost his first two matches if he went oh and oh th- he's got to go if he went oh and three it was going to be tough so they got a big win at home today against Liverpool. So it was an exciting day in the Premier League. Is that your favorite sport other than baseball? To watch now it is. Yeah, those are the best athletes in the world. It's it's incredibly competitive. The the narratives around those clubs are so much fun. So, yeah, right now watching and my son loves it. My son plays FIFA. He knows all the teams, <laughs> all the players. Like I, he talks more about his fantasy soccer team than anything else. So, yeah, we're big into the Premier League right it's now. It's like Cody and MLB the show. All he does is play <laughs> this video game and tells me about this team and who he's trading for and I'm like, "Oh my god." So, I know where Pulisic might end up up more so than I know what's going on in the NFL uh, starting quarterback race right now. Well, I'll tell you this. Keep bringing the young guys. It's exciting. <laughs> We're enjoying this. Fun couple of days. It's a lot of fun, and uh, it, it makes it makes uh, postgame a lot better. That's, I know it doesn't that's matter. That's what I'm here for. Yes, thank you very much. <laughs> David Forrest, the general manager of your Oakland Athletics, right here on A's Cast Live. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics.